0: We have been working our way through the book of Ephesians, and I am super glad that you guys all decided to come here on the very first day of the year. Well done. It is always exciting to be here and to be working through Scripture together. I hope that you guys had an amazing year, and I actually, next year, we're going to talk about kind of the last year as a whole and what that looked like for us um, out of Ephesians, so I'm excited about that as well. But my bet is if I were to ask you that not a lot of people would raise their hands in this, but I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, so just keep them down. It's fine. But we, I bet that this morning when you woke up, there was a question that didn't come to your mind. And my concern is, as, as a whole for the church, the reality is that this probably doesn't come across our mind very often throughout the week. So if I, if I said, while well, you were getting ready, whether you're brushing your teeth or showering or drinking coffee, trying to wake up, did you this morning have the thought in your mind going, okay, what is it today, God, that you want me to do to build your church? What area in which am I going to play this role? How, how do you want me to play this part today? See, so the reality is that most of us probably don't think like that. We don't ask the question, okay, God, what do you want from me today? In fact, the church as a whole has kind of modeled and, and made its way to, well, we got these hired professionals and let those few people do the work and the rest of us just get out of the way. Or if we see a need in the church, instead of, instead of stepping up, it's like, well, what can I really do? Like, what, what, what am I really capable of? What part can I play in this? I'm just, I just got all these other things. And so we say, well, we'll just let someone else do it. The, the problem is, is a lot of us forget that, that the, the, the cost and the ability to even serve the Lord is an absolute amazing honor. We forget that he has, he has called us to a purpose. He hasn't just saved you so that we could be some club on a Sunday once a week. No, He, he, he has a part for you to play. A couple of weeks ago, we were in the book of Ephesians, and we were working through um, the first part of chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hands up. The ushers will get you one. Feel free to look on your tablet or phone or wherever else you would like. I'd like you to look at the Scriptures with us. That is important. But we were, a couple of weeks, we were talking about how the Apostle Paul began chapter 4 with this. We are now to, to no longer just sit in the truth of who God is and, and sit in the truth of who we are in light of who God is but now he's called us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. He's called us to, to, to start moving, not away from our seatedness with Christ, but moving as seated with Christ. And he tells us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And then one of the things he says is he tells us and he pleads with us as believers that it's our job to maintain the unity that is already ours in the Spirit of God. And so although we have this, this unity, although we have it sealed through the Holy Spirit, he says that there's a way for those of us that follow Jesus to either maintain it or, like I challenged you, neglect it. So we can either maintain uni- unity or neglect it. Well, it seems like when we come to this section that Paul makes a, a kind of an interesting turn. He turns, he turns to a, a direction that, that, honestly, the scholars kind of argue about what the, the whole meaning or the purpose was behind this. And I think there's so much in this text that we're actually not going to cover today but I think a lot of times we can get kind of bogged down in the theology of this, that we can miss kind of the, the purpose of what's coming through this text. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna turn, it seems like the apostle Paul's gonna turn from unity and now to diversity. He's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's been communicating that we are, we are one in Christ. There's one God, one spirit, one baptism. There's, there's only one. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither a, a, a white or a, a dark or a black or anything. He's saying that all of those barriers are dropped and we are one in Christ, doesn't matter what you were brought up in or how long you followed Jesus. Together, we are one in Christ. And then he he, he diverges out of that and comes in and says, "Now, as your oneness, your your purpose is very diverse." And so let's let's look at the scriptures in chapter four, verse seven. He says, "But grace was given to each one of you." The grace here isn't. This isn't the grace that, that is lavished on us so that we can have salvation. This is, a, this is a grace that's given to us in light of that salvation. Grace was given to you, to each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is also the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so we have this interesting section where the Apostle Paul is talking about this grace that's given to each of us. And we have to understand this. We have to know this, that the gifts that are given to us, is it was given to you at the beginning. I think, I think a lot of us maybe miss the truth of this that when we when we say yes to following Jesus when we surrender our lives to his calling us he has adopted us into his family he didn't just save us he didn't just bring about salvation he also gifted us and we see that very clear from here there's a this section on ascended and descended and there's a lot of discussion about what this means, where did he really ascend from and descend to, and, and kind of this, this whole theological working that a lot of scholars, they just don't necessarily agree on the whole inner workings of that, so I'm not going to dive into that as much, but there's some things that we can really pull out of this. is beautiful. First off, the Apostle Paul is, is quoting a psalm. He's quoting Psalm 68, 18, but he misquoted it. <laughs> See, in Psalm 68, 18, he changes one word when he quotes this, this psalm, and, and I'll get to, to why I believe he does that. But he's quoting this, this, this section of Scripture that, that every single believer at this point would have understood the history of what this psalm was speaking. See, in, in that day, what would happen is if a king would go out and sa- he would send his armies out to conquer another kingdom— and they would go to battle and they would, they would fight. And then once they were done and they won, they would bring the, the captives and the slaves and they'd bring the, the, the gold and the, everything that was from that kingdom. And there'd be this processional then into the king's kingdom where he just won. So he's they're bringing all their slaves and everything. And then those, that money and the slaves and the gifts and all of those things were rightfully the king's. And so there'd be this processional coming in where they would, they would lead in and people would see that, look, our king has won. He's prevailed. We beat this kingdom. We're in charge, and then these gifts would go to the king. And, and Paul is, is laying this psalm down to, to give a couple, couple things, a clear understanding of who Jesus Christ is and just what kind of king he is. And so what he's doing here is he, he changes one word. He says in this, he said he had ascended and descended, but he says, on high he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. It originally read as he received gifts from men. So he changed it from receiving to giving. And what he's doing is he's laying out a picture. He's giving us some clear understanding of the authority of Jesus Christ. First off, not only is he the one who descended and ascended, but he's also the one that conquers and wins. He defeated death and sin, and he defeated Satan. And in that defeating, in that winning over that kingdom, there is rightful spoils to be distributed. Instead of as the rightful heir and king to take all the spoils, he then starts giving them away. And so what this tells us is it tells us two things. One is that Jesus Christ is sovereign and in charge. God is in charge. He, he, he can give the gifts that he wants to give. This is important for us because a lot of us will look at gifts or, or talents in the church. We'll look at both of those things and we'll get jealous about what someone else has versus what we have. We'll see the ability of someone else and what they can do. And we're like, well, I wish I could have that. You have to remember the gift that you have, you have it because... It was given to you by a God who knows exactly what your purpose and intent and work for the, bo- for the body of Christ is. And so he, he, is, he is sovereign. He is in charge. He, he, he has displayed his authority over us. The other thing that we can take from this, which is absolutely beautiful, is that, is that the king didn't just sit in his throne and wait for them to come to him. Uh, the king stepped down from the throne and entered into this broken world, defeated the brokenness of this world, so that we can understand that he's relational. So when God, so when Jesus starts distributing gifts, we can understand two things. One is he has the authority to do so. And two is he knows us intimately. So he's not just like picking off a shelf like, ah, we'll just see what this one does for you and lobbing them out there and hoping. No, you have been designed and created with these gifts. And as we, as we come to this set of scripture, we see um, not just gifts, individual gifts, but also gifts of, of people to the church. It's a little bit different. There's kind of, some would say there's an office being held here. And th- this is a, a gift set that plays a pr- very specific purpose. And we're going we're gonna to talk about these gifts real quick, but, but I want to I kind of go to the, the end first. We've we got to remember, if we don't keep forefront what the, what the point of these gifts are, if we don't keep in, in front of us why these gifts are present, we'll, we'll misuse them. Or worse, we, we, we won't use them. We'll just be lazy and place it. In fact, it tells us at the very end that the, the very reason that these gifts are given to us, the very reason that we have any gifts given to us at the point of salvation, this gift is ours. It has been given to you. The very reason we have it is to build up the body of Christ, to build up his church. So when I ask you at the beginning, saying, what are you doing? What is, what is God answering when he says, I want you to build up the church in this way? The problem is, is a lot of us are probably not doing that or we're, we're not seeing what we have as valuable to the bride of Christ I heard one scholar say it this way he said our salvation is tied to our gifts he said that, that you when you when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ you don't just surrender to him as Lord and King but you surrender to him as Lord and King and he then says now here's your gift use it for my purposes it, he doesn't wait now a lot of us need to mature in that process and it actually is the church's job as we see the scripture here to equip the body into those gifts to help disciple and teach and see those uses there. And, and the church has, has failed you in those ways, and I understand that. But, but a lot of the times, it's, it's less of the church and their failure, and it's, it's our own impatience or laziness, complacency, or devaluing the very gift we have because it's not as, in our minds, valuable as someone else's gifting. Those are all so, so offensive to what Jesus Christ has done for us. He lays out these, these different gifts, and we have essentially four different chapters in the, in the New Testament that talk about Gifts. We get, it, we get it here, also in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. We see, we see lists of different varying gifts. And, and whether that's an exhaustive list or there's more gifts, we, we don't necessarily know. But, but ultimately, there are gifts that are given to us. And every follower of Jesus, what we can say with absolute clarity with, from all four of those chapters is that first off, every single believer has one. You are not giftless. In fact, God has given you a very specific gift to play a specific role to building up his church even here. This is why it's so valuable for us to do life together and not just be rogue believers running off on our own. He has given it. The second thing we can take from confidence in all of these lists of gifts, and this is important, don't miss this one, it's a gift. These gifts, these spiritual gifts that you get from the Lord are a gift. And the reason why this is so important is that a lot of us forget that and it becomes about what we do. It becomes about what I'm capable of or what my muscles can do or what my strengths are. Honestly, right before right before the sermon, I'm over here praying and I'm like, God hits me in the head reminding me as I'm praying for God to speak through me. He's reminding me like, yeah, this is a gift, Brent. And I'll be honest, there's, at times I've, I've doubted that gifting because of my own insecurities or because of my not recognizing the value of the gift that he's given me but we have to keep in front of us that one is you have one. It may not look like every other person that seems to be around you, which is a very good thing, because God is intending for us to, as a whole, display the manifold wisdom of God. And we do that when every single one of us are playing the part he's given us to build up the church. And so you have these giftings. He, he goes through and lays out a list of a few, and some of these uh, have become offices in churches as a whole, and Again, I think that 's valuable i 'm not going to debunk that. The offices started happening about a hundred years after this text. We started seeing the apostolic office and prophecy office and pastor and all these different things in the church but but i don 't think that 's what he 's getting at here. I think that 's a valuable and important thing to understand but when he when he talks about these gifts, I think we need to understand them a little bit more and so um, this is just kind of be a, a slightly educational section. Apostle, there, there's kind of two apostles we can understand biblically. There's there's the capital A apostles. Those are the, those are the twelve that were following Jesus minus Judas. Obviously, Ad Matthias and then the Apostle Paul as well. And those are those are the apostles of Jesus Christ that have that have that have followed him. And some believe that okay, well now that's gone. The the, the apostolic gift is gone and not in place because there's no directly connected to Jesus when he was walking the earth. But but I think this is really, if you just take the word apostle itself, it, it, it's better understood as someone who is sent with a vision. And so I, I think that today that, that definitely some of you are sent with a vision. God has, has given you this gift. He has sent with you a vision. This is where I think we see so many beautiful things happen for, through the church. You see nonprofits starting to, to, to fight this cause, or, or in the inside the church we see people bringing about discipleship because they're, they're sent and they see their value in, in God's gifting through that. And so they're sent. And, uh, um, I, then he goes on to prophets. Um, we always think of prophets as kind of future tellers. And I think there is there's an aspect that we see that all the way across the board in the Old Testament. I think that there is nothing wrong with saying that someone might be saying something that, hey, in the future, I see this in your life. But you have to remember, it always has to funnel through the scriptures. In fact, this is best understood as um, somebody who speaks on behalf of God to the people of God. primarily like the voice of God to the people. Some would say that, that a preacher would be operating in, in the prophet role. He's, he's sharing, as someone's speaking, they're sharing out that, that, that gift. Again, ultimately, it's, it's, it's for the people of God speaking. It's, it, it's someone who is who's sharing God's word for the people of God. Now, it could include some form of, hey, I feel like God is leading in this. One. I don't, I don't want to debunk that in any way, but that we always see biblically grounded through, through, the, through the leadership and seeing them discern that so that it's done in a healthy way for the purpose, and this is what the healthy way is, not to be controlled, but for the building up of the body. See, if any of these gifts are ever used for your own selfish gain, which unfortunately we all have stories of individuals doing that very thing, that's not the way God intended them. That's not his purpose. That's not what he's doing. And then he goes on and says um, evangelists. This word best defined is essentially just a person carrying the good news or a person that operates out of the good news, the gospel, this isn't saying that, well, hey, all of us are free from evangelism. Some of you are like, oh, sweet, I don't have that gift. I don't have to talk to anyone now that I don't, I don't, like, it doesn't even matter. No, just to be really clear, the Great Commission kind of ruins that for us in the sense that we're all called to be light and salt to this dark world. We're all called to make disciples. Like, Jesus' teaching is very clear. However, he has gifted some with the ability to be evangelists. And these are the people, it's like they just wake up in the morning and someone sees them like... I need to know Jesus. It's not like that. I mean, it could be like that. But they just ooze this, this gifting of finding and being, and being present with those that don't know the Lord and sharing that. And there's a gifting. And, and my bet is some of you have this gifting. And, and maybe you're, you're not using it. Or maybe because you feel like you wanted to have this gifting for 10000 and you don't see value in maybe the one he's gifted you for. The portions are, are, are God's to decide. He's gifted us all in different ways. And all of it are Beautiful. And then he goes on to say uh, pastors. Uh, pastors is, is used kind of synonymously in the New Testament with overseer, elder. Those, those, those terms just kind of cross and are, are used exactly the same. And, and the role of a pastor is essentially um, is, this, is the one who is spiritually responsible for the sheep. So, so as, as me being the pastor of this church, I am spiritually responsible for those of you that, that claim this church is your home. That's not a fun thing to think about, really, in all honesty, but it's a gift. And so who am I to run from that gift? Who am I to, to because I don't like the idea of it, sit in the back and just pretend like it's not true of me? Um, and then the, the next one is, is teachers. You will see a lot of pastors using the gift with teaching. Some scholars want to combine this and say that there is no two gifts there. There's, there's pastor, teacher, it's one in the same. Most pastors truly will teach, but I do believe there is a gift of teaching as well that's not in a pastoral role. And the... <laughs> Here's the thing. When you look at these big gifts, when you look at these things, a lot of times you want to find that one person that's doing them all or identify these. Okay, there's five there. We're going to identify these five people and the rest of us are just, don't worry about it. Get out of the way. I don't think that's what's happening. First off, a couple things you have to know is is that there can be aspects of these just through a maturity process. If you are faithfully in God's word, and you're allowing the Spirit to work with you, and I, and I would say even walking with other believers in, in, in community and you're being sharpened and challenged, then just through a maturity process, you might actually be able to teach some. Now there's definitely those that have been gifted to teaching, but who's to say that, that you aren't gifted to teaching? You just haven't matured into it yet. So what are these, what are these gifts for? What are all these gifts for? When we get into the Corinthians, and then we get more of a list of them. What, what is the, the purpose? Well, it's to, to build up the, the church. Which, which puts us in a, in a bit of a predicament. First off, we have to see value in the church. We, we really do. And I, I say that because there's this, like, it's almost like the cool hipster thing to be like, I know, you know, I'm not really into the, like, organized church or religion. Right. When Christ died for her, he, he gave his life for this. And in doing so, he gave his life and then gave the gifts for you to continue to build up this church. So if you're here, God has given you a gift to use. And and not just a talent. Although I believe that all talents we have are meant to be used for God's glory. Just because you're incredibly talented in one area does not mean that you are gifted in that. Actually, you know, it's it's funny. There's no one in the scriptures does it talk about the gift of leading worship. We see that we're called to worship. We see that we're called to 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 enjoy in music in worshiping and praising God. But there's not a gift. That's a talent. And so, so how how do we do this? What what What's our role with this? Well, there's a couple things I think we have to understand. First off, um, let me ask you this way. Where are you serving the body of Christ? Some of you, I like, get it, like, maybe you're not, you're not landed somewhere yet at a church. You're kind of you're floating. You're trying to figure out. But, but let me just be really clear. The body of Christ isn't just confined to one small sea church. There are ways in which we can serve God even outside of that. Now God does implore and desire for you to be in that role. It's a very beautiful thing. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. We'll talk about it some more in Ephesians. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful thing when the church is surrendered to Jesus Christ and the individuals as that church play that role. It's, it's kind of intoxicating. Those that aren't a part of the church want to be it. Those that are in the church continue to grow in, in, in intimacy and discipleship through it. It's a very beautiful thing. You have been given a gift to serve. Now, where are you serving? Well, some of you are like, man, I've been serving in kids ministry forever and I am not gifted there. Kids don't even like me, you know, no matter how hard I try. Let me, let me just say this first off. Sometimes where we're gifted isn't necessarily where God's going to be using it at that time. I can think of a number of peoples and a number of times in my life where there were gifts that I believe God had given me and I didn't use them to the ability that I thought he wanted them to be used because instead I was serving in this area. But it should make sense to us. It should make sense to us that if God has given you a gift, he's given you a purpose, it should make sense to us that, sense to us that we should have a servant's heart. If, if we're not willing to serve in general, then, I, and then maybe this is too extreme, but I, I struggle to see God really unleashing the gift in you because the gift might be about what you do. I mean, show of hands, who feels gifted in changing babies' diapers? Okay, who feels talented in that, right? I mean, talented, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's that. No, see, that's just it. There's, there's not necessarily someone be like, man, I woke up. That's what God's called me to. I cannot wait to do that, right? Like, there's, you'd think something's wrong with them if they said that but there's still value in doing it. And we have a number of people, in fact, some of the the most brilliant-minded theologians in this church serve in the kids' ministry. Is that them wasting their gift? No, that's them being a servant. And when God implores them to use their gift, they do it. When the church raises it up in them, when it disciples it in them, we do it. I think it's also worth saying this, is sometimes a lot of times what we see as our gifting isn't actually our gifting. It's just what we want to be gifted in. Like, you know, for me forever, it's like, I totally want to lead worship. I can't sing. I don't got rhythm. Like, it just was not a talent for me at all, right? So instead, I, I praise God for those that do. But a lot of times we may want it. And, and maybe someone in your, in, your, in your youth has told you, you're really good at this, and so you've just hung on to that encouragement. Well, let me, let me just say this really clearly. We don't use these gifts to get encouraged. We don't, we don't go about these gifts so that people can pat us on the back. We do these gifts because it's our role as a follower of Jesus to build up the church with this gift he's given us. Because if you're here, and this is where God has you, and he's gifted you in a way, he's implored you to use that gift. Another thing that's important about this is we, we, can't, we cannot be arrogant or boasting about this. this is, and we've seen this. We've seen a lot of people stand up here, in my position and preach and they get really, really arrogant about like pats on their backs and how good they are at speaking, that is just a posture of complete ignorance because you're forgetting what the gift cost. You're forgetting that, that Jesus had to, to to die for him to give this gift to us. And it's a gift. It's not because I'm awesome or you're awesome or because he thinks, oh man, that person's gonna get like all sorts of high fives. No, it's it's about him. It's his glory. Second is, we can't grumble. This is, a, this is a fun one. A lot of us uh, find ourselves grumbling. And I'll, I'll admit this. There are times I'm like, I just don't want to be a pastor today. I will totally confess that to you. Please pray for my heart, okay? There are times I'm like, oh, man. And it's not like I had something better. It's like, I just wanted to sit on the couch. You know, like it wasn't like I had something holy. Like, I just need to be studying and praying. No, I just wanted to sit on the couch, right? And I don't really want to be a pastor right now. But we can't grumble because, again, that's, that's in the face of what it costs to give. It is an honor to serve the Lord. It is, a, it is a gift that we even get to serve the Lord. And that he gives us ways to do it with his power and his strength that, that will build up his church. That's even more of an honor. How, how dare we grumble at that? How dare we whine about serving? What, I mean, like, Jesus was very clear. Very clear. Our, we had to be, have a servant heart. And that doesn't just mean in the church Husbands, that means doing some dishes sometimes. Kids, that means doing some chores without an allowance. But we, we are supposed to be modeling servanthood. One of the things that should baffle the world around us is the amount and the willingness and the heart of service in the church. We should just be serving, not for accolades, not for pats on the back. If you, if you are like, man, I want to keep doing this, but I'm tired of changing baby diapers because Jess just hasn't patted me on the back enough. Well, one of two problems. A, you are tired, and that's true, okay? But if you're doing it for the pat on the back, you've, you've, missed, you've missed the point. Now, appreciation is beautiful, and we try to do that a lot here, but we're going to miss. We're going to miss up. Second thing is you should never, you should never uh, be out of the game, so to speak. Some of you have been burned by the church. You've been hurt. You've, you're transitioning, and I get it. And the, I'll tell a lot of times when people, like, they come from another church, they've wrestled or they've been burned or they moved into the area, and they just kind of feel like they rolled into town. I'll tell them, look, maybe it's just a season to kind of sit. And Just let the Lord kind of kind of restore you. Let him build you back up to a spot where you realize that if you did it today, you'd just be doing it on your own strength. And instead, let him restore you to a spot where he's going to use you for his gifting. But in reality, you're, you're still not out of the game. Like you always have a role, and this is, this is one of the reasons why we push gospel communities. Because a lot of times our gifting isn't going to be something that's going to be up front. It's going to be done in, in the house with someone else in a small group of people where God's going to use that gift to encourage or admonish or, or rebuke or train or build up some other individual in his bride. You're not meant to go at it alone. Another thing, I heard a prof, professor say it this way, and he was talking about talent but I think it applies to giftedness as well. He said that when your your talent runs out, you have to rely on your character. So you always need to have more character than you do talent. And I I think when it comes to our gifting, if we start relying fully on our gifting and we forget the gift giver, we forget our, our seatedness with Christ, we forget the whole first three chapters of Ephesians, well, then it becomes about what we're doing, and we're not gonna have the character in place. In fact, I think a reason why a lot of us aren't seeing God's gift come out of our life is because of our own pride. Because we don't have the maturity or the character to sustain that gift. And God's like, I, I created you for this. But if you do it, and you do it now, you're going to believe it's about you. I mean, just read the Old Testament. God is about bringing glory to himself. Like, it is all about that. Like, oh, you want to win this army? No, no, too many people. Too many people, too many people, too many people. Okay, now just blow some horns. Okay, you'll get no credit for this. You're going to have to give me credit. God is, God is not about giving you credit. He's about bringing glory to himself. And that may seem narcissistic, but believe me, it's beautiful. And it's what you were created to do. So we have to understand that a lot of times it's a maturity thing. I'm not serving in my giftedness because I haven't matured in this yet. Honestly, I think a lot of times it's it's laziness. We, we have really good excuses to not build up the kingdom. Oh, you know, busy at work. or When I graduate from college, okay, then I'll have some time. Not true. Okay, once we have the baby, then we'll have some time. Complete lie, okay? And we can continue to put off our role in the church. Or some of us, we, we, we view our role as already played out. Well, you know, I, I did that a lot many years ago. So I can just kind of hit cruise control, because God's done. As if He's not still building His kingdom. As if He's not still building His church. And that's another lie. We, we are... We are we are invested in this long term. Now, let me say this: I do believe this. I do believe God will, at times, He has gifted us for certain seasons, and that gift may play differently. And that—that's a whole other bag of worms. I get it, but I've seen that in my own life. And it's not that one is more valuable than the other; it's that it's about building up His kingdom, His church. I want to say this one again; it's important. No boasting about your gift. I just want to, like, if I can say this really clear: it's a gift why would we have pride about it? We, we see this all the time. We do this unintentionally. Oh, look at these talented musicians up here. And we start like, thinking, oh, they're so amazing. And then we start comparing. Well, I wish, they, I want this one, or this one's better than this one. It's, it, the point isn't that. The point is to worship God. It's a gift. Uh, another one is, um, and this is important, is that you should um, you should really stop comparing your gifts to others. We gotta we got stop. Right at the very beginning, after Before he even goes into Christ's authority, he says that God has given this grace, the portions that are supposed to be. In his sovereignty, he has gifted each of you with the amount of that gift that is necessary for building up his kingdom. So why in the world would you say, well, I want more of what that person has? When God, knowing you intimately, died for you when you were at your worst and said, I'm gonna save you so that I can give you this gift that I created you to be and to do for my purpose and my glory why would we ever want someone else's gift? Well, I'll tell you, it's pride. We want to be that person. Another thing we have to stop doing, we've got to stop idolizing people. I, I struggle with this. I see this in, in people where like, there's certain worship bands that are like, oh my word, they're the best worship bands in the world. And it becomes less about worship and about how amazing they are. Or we I, I, <laughs> I joke about this. There are certain scholars I asked into my heart. I really didn't, please know that that didn't happen. But there are certain scholars, I'm like, oh, I love their writings and I, I think they're amazing. They're still people. And, and God has gifted them for that portion and gifted them to use them in that way. And he's gifted me in this portion and to use it in this way. And how, how, how dare we compare ourselves? When God says the most beautiful thing, hey, you're unique. He's not got some assembly line up there that goes, stamp. okay, we're gonna get 16 of these people and just move them out. No, he, he individually crafts you individually gifts you, and then says, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to give you my spirit so that you can use this gifting for my purposes and my glory. God has gifted you, so where are you serving this? How are, how are you using this? My, my bet is some of you are, are struggling to figure out, well, okay, I don't know what my gifting is. Well, one of the best ways to find out what your gifting is is to be in community. Because what will happen is when, when people know you intimately, not like the okay, we're in community, we do this once a week in hopes that no one gets too close to us because that's just awkward, right? No, I mean like that we know each other, like we, we, we can see the ugly side of each other and we still commit to, to pouring in and to acknowledging our brokenness and, and, and leaning into Christ. That kind of community, what ends up happening is someone can look and say, hey, I've, I've noticed this in you. Man, when, when you shared that, like God did this amazing work. It's like, whoa, I, I didn't know that. That's funny, so-and-so said the other day that I was sharing something. Maybe there's a, there's a gift of teaching here. Maybe God's gifted me in this way. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. The community does that. We have an intro to gospel community class this Friday. We have four new gospel communities. Granted, one of them is in Mountain Home, but we have four new gospel communities that are up and ready and have room for people to get invested in a community. I, I dare you to take the jump. I, I challenge you to make this year about walking that faith out and not just saying that you believe it. Another way to find out your gifting is this is, now this is revolutionary, ready? Start serving. Just start doing it. You're gonna find out really quickly. Nope, not changing baby diapers anymore. That's not it. But what will end up happening is you'll start finding gift sets. You know, I've seen this in my own life where God has, has brought people around me to say, hey, Brent, here, time to do this. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you do this. I'm like, I don't wanna do that and then find out, wow, I, I actually like that. I actually feel like I may be gifted towards that. Oh, Lord, like, forgive me for running from that, but thank you for showing me that. Start serving. You can't use your gift if you aren't marked as a servant because then your gift is going to be about your strength and your glory and everything else. We must be known as servants. So start serving, whether it's in, a, in our Serve Sunday on January 22nd or it's helping Jess and kids or it's on the security team or ushering or it's serving in your community. Start serving. You'll find, it, it's amazing what happens when you start getting your hands dirty. What God does, he says, hey, I created you for something like this. And pretty soon you'll find this, well, I, I'm capable of doing stuff that I didn't know I was capable of doing because it's not you doing it. The, the band's gonna come up and we're gonna continue to worship, not just sing a song. Uh, my, my, my encouragement for you is, is whether you, you believe you are gifted or not, that you would know for a fact that you have a gift. And whether or not you've ever seen it be used, or you're hoping it will be used at some point, my, my, my prayer and my hope is that you would you would surrender yourselves to the Lord's will in that. And that may mean that you need to you need to seek counsel. We're here for you. That may mean your gift is like crazy. You're like I've wanted to, to do underwater basket weaving for the for God ever since I was young. Like, can I do that here? I don't know, but let's try, okay? And maybe it's just that God needs to use some of your talents. and They're not necessarily gifts, but you know that you have a talent, and He just. And you've been sitting on it. Whatever it, whatever it is, my, my encouragement would be believe two things. One is, it was a gift that cost immensely one person, Jesus Christ. He gave everything so that you could have this gift. He gave it to you with a purpose and for a reason, and that is to build up His church. So if you find yourself just walking in and walking out and, and giving excuses of time, and look, look, I understand we're busy and that we have good reasons sometimes to not get as deeply invested, but But a lot of times I wonder if we just spent more time investing in his kingdom and less in sports and work and 401ks and all that other stuff. I kind of feel like our our realities, our purposes, and our intents, and and honestly the way we live our lives would look drastically different. And I I tell you this, I, I promise this, that when a body of believers are surrendered to his purposes, surrendered to his strength, and being used by the gifts that he's given you, I'm telling you, there is nothing more beautiful than that. Let me pray. God, I pray right now, specifically as ambiguous as gifts may seem, God, um, you did not bring them out of confusion. You birthed them into us as you created us, Lord. So God, I pray for every individual, whether it's a talent, whether it's gift, whether it's, uh, it's teaching or administration or um, whether we just need to start serving more, Lord. I pray that you would give us a heart that is humble. It's not an accident the Apostle Paul began our walk in a manner worthy with humility, Lord. I pray that our humility would, would, would be in, in place, that you would be um, extending your grace to us in that spot, Lord, and that we would start seeing your gifts. God, as a church, I pray that we would um, better disciple people into that gifting, Lord. As individuals, I pray that we would stop using excuses to not use that gifting, but would, would be less of a grumbler. We'd stop comparing, God. And for the individuals that are here um, today, that maybe don't know who you are, God, they've they've been around church a lot. They had a friend that they just kind of visited here today because they're in town for the holidays. God, I pray um, that you would you would instill in them not that um, you have a gift for them to use, but that you are a gift for them, Lord. And you'd help them see that that you uh, you are after them and that you desire to use and see them used uh, in the way that you created them to be for your glory and your kingdom purposes. Pray as we, as we worship, as we sing, that we wouldn't be distracted by talents or musicians or instruments, but instead our voices would be lifted up in pure um, worship of a God who is so good to us. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.